Hello, friends. You are listening to the Now's the Time podcast. This is Caleb Suko, and this is season four, episode three. And in today's episode, I want to share with you a sermon that I preached this this week, actually, at Shasta Bible College. Shasta Bible College is our alma mater. It's in Northern California. And we had an opportunity this last weekend. We drove down on Saturday and came back Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. But we had an opportunity to visit Shasta Bible College and speak in chapel there and also preach or speak and present the ministry at Shasta Community Church and Grace Baptist Church. So that was exciting for us. That's kind of our, our last big trip here to visit churches before we head at, head back to Ukraine. And by the way, I can't believe it, but there are just two Sundays left until we leave. Less than less than two weeks before we leave back to Ukraine. And there's a couple things I want to make you aware of. One is this weekend, did you hear this before what is this weekend? The hold on, get my calendar here. Can't remember my my dates. Um, but this this coming Sunday, which we will be at. Oh, great! And now I'm logged off my calendar. Um, okay, hold on just a second. Let me log back in. Okay, there it is. Uh, so this Sunday, February fourth, we will be at Grace Point Church, which is not far from from where we. Are kind of centered here while we're in the states in Key Harbor. This is in Bremerton, and it has been a long-term supporting church, and we're so grateful for their support and, and, and prayers and love. And so it's really exciting to be able to share with them this Sunday, and I believe it's a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. So if you are in the Bremerton area, we would love to see you there at Grace Point. Christy and I will both be there this Sunday, the 4th. And then the 11th, which will be our last Sunday here, two things are going on. One, in the morning we're going to be out at Puyallup Community Baptist, which is not too far from where we are here. And then in the evening, we are going to be back at our home church, Geek Harbor, in Geek Harbor Discovery Baptist. And we're going to have a special sending service. If you are in the area, please come. We would love to see you there. This will be an opportunity for you to pray for us, hear about some of our plans, have a little time of fellowship. We're going to have some fellowship and I think pie, cookies, some desserts after the service. So we won't be rushing off, but we will be talking and we'd love to see you last time before we go back to Ukraine. So February 11th at 6 p.m. at Discovery Baptist Church, our home church here in Gig Harbor. We would love to see you there. And then we fly out on the 15th, which I believe is a Thursday. So that's in less than two weeks from when I'm recording this podcast. So there's a couple places where you can see us. I believe that that service on the 11th in the evening at Discovery Baptist will also be live streamed. So I will try to get that link out in case you'd like to catch it, if for some reason you can't, you know, you're far away and you can't make it to that service. So that's what is going on. And oh, let me just fill you in a little bit too about our trip to California that we just got back from. 
uh, late Tuesday night. We had a great time there. Shasta Bible College is our alma mater, and we are so thankful for Shasta Bible College's commitment to God's Word and training people to ministry. I think that's getting to be more rare. And so we had a chance, uh, of course, in the morning, evening on Sunday, we shared in churches. But on Monday and Tuesday, we shared with the student body there at Shasta and really shared with them. We shared with them our testimonies on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I talked about missions. And that's the sermon that I'm going to be sharing with you on this podcast. And it's called Seven Aspects of Missionary Passion. And so I, I shared that because, you know, that's really my, my goal in writing this book on Is God Calling You to Missions? Because I want to see young people understand that call, hear that call, and respond to that call. I had a couple of conversations recently with pastors just saying that kind of regretting or the fact that it seems like there's fewer young people that are going out as as just giving their whole life to missions you know short-term missions is is a very popular thing and certainly god uses that he used it in my life but short-term missions fall short in a lot of ways we also need people that are just ready to give their whole life to missions. I understand it's not everyone. Not everyone is called to be a missionary, but some are. And so we share I shared with them those seven aspects of missionary passion and uh, we talked with a number of students, a few students that were are really interested in in considering missions. So that was encouraging encouraging to see. And by the way, if if you don't have a copy of my book, you can you can find it on Amazon. You can go to our website sukufamily.org. There's also a link there. I think the book is on the right-hand side. You'll see it. That's a way you can get it. But we're also, before we leave here, we're just going to be sending out a a copy to anyone who donates here in the past month or so, just as a, as a token of our gratitude. So um, if you want to help kind of send us off to Ukraine and help us to be funded and, and ready to go, we that's one way you could do that. And you'll get a copy of the book as well. So friends... That is sort of the update for what's going on here. Let's get over to that sermon, Seven Aspects of Missionary Passion. Today I want to talk to you about a passion for missions and share with you seven aspects of a passion for missions so that we can really understand this in in light of Scripture. I think sometimes when we talk about passion or zeal, we think of it mainly in an emotional sense, that someone that is passionate, they're very emotional, they, they are very excitable and things like that. And certainly there is an aspect to that when we talk about passion or zeal for missions. Uh, there are real emotions that are involved in that, but sometimes we get a little confused thinking, well, you know, I don't really feel very zealous about this thing, so I guess I don't have a passion for it. And there's nothing I can really do about it. 
But I think that as we look at Scripture, we will see that there were certain people, and today I want to focus on Isaiah, who was really sent by God as a missionary to his own people, who had a passion and zeal for, for missions, for, for the mission of God, and to communicate the, the truth of God and His saving power. And I want to look at those aspects that we see, especially in the life of Isaiah, as God calls him to the ministry, calls him to missions in Isaiah chapter 6. And if, if you do pick up my book, uh, I, I focus on this uh, specifically in chapter 6, uh, uh, the, uh, the desire for missions. What is it really? So if, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read through verse 8, from verse 1 through verse 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, and I am a man of unclean lips." And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. This is probably one of the most amazing callings to missions that maybe has ever happened. Certainly that, that we see in Scripture. And there is so much that we can say about this calling. I think that for me, as I begin to understand and see God's calling in my life, this passage of Scripture was really foundational for me to understand what that really meant and how God was calling me and what He was calling me to as well. But I want to focus on Isaiah's second response here. We saw his first response when he saw God and nothing yet had happened, and it was a relatively negative response, wasn't it? What was me? I, I'm dead, man. I'm, I'm undone. I, I am a man of unclean lips. It was, it was a very negative response. But then as we come down here, we see that his demeanor has completely changed. Now, all of a sudden, we see some sort of a, a, a mission, passion, or zeal in his life as he says, here I am, send me. And it really reminds me of, you know, the young child in school that knows the answer to a question. And yeah, sometimes I speak at Awana, and when I ask a question to the kids, they're all, ah, ah, you know, pick me, pick me, I'm right here, yeah, I, I know the answer. And this reminds me a little bit of that, Isaiah's response here, but it's such a contrast to what he, how he responded earlier. And, and we'll get into that in a minute as, as we look at that contrast. But 
we see that Isaiah has righteous desires here. He has a desire to serve God, to be sent by God. And, and I think that it's important that as we think of missions and as we think of calling, that, that we are going with the right reasons and with the right desires. Because too many people get into missions or even go into other ministries with wrong motivations and wrong desires. And what happens? If you do not have the right motivation, the right desire, the right passion and zeal, you will eventually get burned out in that ministry. You will be overcome by that ministry. You will be overcome by discouragement. You may fall into sin as well. It's a very dangerous thing to go into missions, especially with the wrong passions, with the wrong desires. So it's important to course discern God's call in our in our lives but then also to respond with correct desire and make sure that it is in line with God's calling and so like I said seven aspects here that I I see uh, in regards to a, a calling to missions in our passion for missions and the first thing that I see here in Isaiah is a thankful heart I don't know if you ever thought about this, but, but gratitude is, is really part of a passion for missions. And, and I believe that this comes out in, in Isaiah as, as we see him so ready to go. Why was he ready to go? Well, we read it earlier, right? That seraphim came with this, this burning coal and touched his lips, which was, course, of course, it was an illustration of really what was going on. He saw his sin as really being connected to the things that he said, but uh, he's talking about his, his heart, really. So it was his forgiveness. It was illustrating his forgiveness. And so why do we see such a 180 turnaround in his response to God now? Because he's grateful. Because he knows that he could not stand before God on his own, with his own righteousness, with his own deeds. And now that he sees that he can, he's grateful and he wants to go. And it's not something that, okay, I know I should go or I have to go, but it was, I hope that I get to go. And we can see that thankfulness later on coming out in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is so rich when it comes to the theology of, of God's salvation. Uh, it's just amazing. But uh, look with me for a minute. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1 says, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. We need to keep that in the forefront of our spiritual lives. That aspect that God forgave me and I am ever thankful. And not only am I ever thankful, I am growing in my thanks and my gratitude every day as I grow in Christ. That is a motivation for missions. Just pure thankfulness. And and we see it come out in in Isaiah's response here. Um, Verse 4 also here in chapter 12 says... And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make his deeds, uh, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Do you see how thankfulness and gratefulness is connected with evangelism here? 
Hey, if you're thankful, you want to tell other people about his great deeds. You want to exalt him. And we, we see that, that, that connection here in Isaiah chapter 12. So a passion for missions is, is really, part of it is, is thankfulness, just thankfulness for what God has done, how he has forgiven us. A second aspect that I think is part of a passion for missions is just simply a readiness to serve God wherever and whenever. <laughs> missions is, is really primarily about serving God. We, we minister to other people. We serve other people. We, we preach the gospel to other people. But, but that is all in service to God. And we don't put any sort of you know, requirements on that service to God or any limitations on that service to God. We're, we're ready to go. And, and we see that in Isaiah's very simple response to God here. Notice for a minute what Isaiah did not say. He didn't say, here I am, please don't send me, right? Like maybe Jonah said, but got sent anyway, right? <laughs> or, by the way, that, that is a dangerous thing to say, you know. And, and I shared with, it, with you yesterday that w- when I began at Shasta Bible College, one of the things that I told the Lord was that, hey, I'd love to serve you, but don't make me a preacher and don't make me a full-time missionary. And don't let me get distracted by girls. But, and he, you know, he ruined all those things. So, so those are dangerous things to say. He didn't say, here I am, I'll go if no one else does. He didn't say, here I am, I suppose I could go in a few months if everything works out well. Or I'll go if it's not too hard. Or here I am. Why don't you send my friend Bob over here? You know, this is a good sermon for him. Yeah, he should have been here. He should have heard that chapel sermon because I know that he needs to go into missions, right? No, he just, he opened himself up. And there's a a great uh, vulnerability and humility that it takes for us to be able to just put ourselves at the feet of God and say, God, I don't know how you're going to use me. I don't know where you're going to use me but I am willing and I am ready to go. Because that's a little scary to say. That's a little scary to say. And so Isaiah's exact words, here I am, send me. And in that one short sentence, he just threw himself at the feet of God. He didn't have a plan B or plan C or a plan D. It was no, God is in control. I'm ready to go. He's going to send me. And, And a passion for missions has to include that aspect of I'm ready to go no matter where God would send me or what he would have me to do. Number three, a passion for for missions includes a a deep and abiding love for God's word. God's word is at the core of everything we do in missions. And I'm a little bit concerned sometimes we can get so easily taken with the doing of missions or the doing of evangelism, or the doing of ministry. And we can talk about all kinds of different programs and and different methods and different approaches that we might take to help reach this group or that group or minister to these people. And we get overwhelmed sometimes just by looking at all of these methods and ideas and, and ways to do things, which none of them, I'm not saying that they're bad, but ultimately we don't have at the core for that a love for God's Word and the foundation in, in theology and, and understanding personally of God's Word. Those things will probably fall flat on their face. And so Isaiah indicates his value for God's word really throughout the book of Isaiah. 
But look with me at a couple of instances here. For instance, right at the beginning of the book, Isaiah 1-2, he says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Okay, we see the emphasis. This isn't just Isaiah talking. This is God's word. This is going to be important. You need to listen. Not only you, but the heavens and the earth need to listen. God's word has to be core to our desires and passions And then what we do flows out of that. And so we see the kind of authority that Isaiah invested in the Word of God. The Lord has spoken. Yahweh has spoken here. Or some other uh, famous verses. Isaiah 40, verse 8, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand forever. This is why um, I was sharing... Well, if, uh, on Sunday, we, we shared in a couple of churches here. And one of the things that, that I like to talk about is in our ministry, in our evangelistic ministry to soldiers, one of the things we like to do is put God's Word in their hands. Because we know that we can say all kinds of things and we know that we're going to be there temporarily, but put God's Word in their hands because that's what's really going to stay with them. That's what's really going to change them are those truths of God's Word. God's Word is powerful and we we have to trust in God's ability to use his word to change the lives of people. And you know that includes really at its core a a personal commitment to studying God's word. And and too often I've I've seen missionaries that once they get into ministry and missions it's busy and 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 they get burnt out physically and because of that they, they stop studying God's word personally for themselves. That, friends, has to be at the foundation. That is the core of who we are. And, and, and we can do all kinds of amazing things, and, and we can even show all kinds of amazing videos like I showed here, you know. But if we're not personally investing ourselves into God's Word, we are going to lose our passion and zeal for ministry, and it will become very routine and very dry for us. Number four, the fourth aspect of the passion for missions is a love for God's people. You know, Isaiah's ministry was not an easy ministry by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, one of the interesting things is that God calls Isaiah to the the mission, right? And Isaiah had no idea what God was going to ask him to do. And then he's kind of like, well, okay, what am I supposed to do? And God said, hey, by the way, nobody's going to listen to you. You know, they're they're not going to hear what you're saying. And I think Isaiah, after that, was like, whoa, what did I get myself into here, right? But there's this little, little piece of verse at the end here, verse 13, Isaiah 6, verse 13. And it says, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. So a tenth of the people, right? It will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. So there's going to be a very, very small percentage of the people who will actually remain, who will actually listen to what you have to say. And you know what? Isaiah's love for God's people was enough to keep him invested in the mission for a very long time, even though it was not very many people. But it was God's people. 
And, and we have to realize that. We have to understand that. that it, 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 of course, we would love to see thousands of people respond and, 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 and come forward and, and hear the gospel and re- repent and believe. Uh, but honestly, just most of the time, that's not the case. But we have to have a love for God's people that is so strong that it motivates us just even for that one person or those two people or those three people that might hear and genuinely understand and repent and believe the gospel. And I think that's what happened to Isaiah here. In fact, like I said, I, well, it says here in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's not a lot of people responded. But you know, Isaiah had one of the longest ministries of all the prophets. We don't know exactly how long may have been 50 years. He faithfully preached. What keeps you going faithfully day after day after day after year after year? Part of it, it's a love for God's people. It's an understanding that God has called you and that He will be faithful to His Word, no matter the results that you see with your own eyes. And you know, many, many missionaries, they don't last that long. Uh, One term, many missionaries go home after the first term. Why? Because they get there, they realize learning the language is hard. They realize that the problems that they experience in their own culture are multiplied in another culture. They realize that not everybody really wants them to be there. Even some of the churches don't want them to be there. And they get discouraged. They think, well, man, this is, maybe we should go home. And they go home. They lose sight of their calling. They, they, they forget that... It, a love for God's people will keep you going even if it's only one or two people. Remember, Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We have to love God's people. That's why we are there. A fifth aspect to the passion for missions is really recognizing spiritual darkness. Now, I think this is so vital, especially now in our, in our world where it's, it's much more common to, to go into missions in order to fix some sort of visual problem. Some sort of, whether it's an economic problem or it's, it's a problem with lack of food or lack of work or, or, or even, it could be anything. And certainly as missionaries, we go in and we do work with those things. We worked with refugees for two years. They had physical needs and we, we helped provide with clothing. We helped sometimes provide with food. We helped provide with some medical care. We do, we do medical clinics there. And those things are all true and they are all there. But, but the biggest problem and the biggest need of every single person is their spiritual need. And unless we can see the darkness, we're not going to recognize that. We're not going to be motivated by that. So we, we need to see that veil of darkness that is over our world. But before we can see that veil of darkness, we must clearly see where we have come from. And notice, notice as we go back here in Isaiah chapter 6, that when Isaiah saw God on the throne, he recognized his own darkness before he could see the darkness of those around him. And so if you want to really be touched by the spiritual darkness around you, grow more familiar with the holiness of God and His glory. 
grow more familiar with how terrible and horrible and hideous your own sin is in contrast to God's holiness. That is what happened to Isaiah. We have to grow in the horror of our own sin. And it, it pains me when I see believers, church members, who after 10, 15, 20 years in church, they have sort of developed this sort of uh, a holy attitude that is wholly wrong. Where they sort of see themselves as, you know, just a little bit higher than the world around them. And I want to see preachers of the gospel who are preaching as, as fallen sinners who have been forgiven to other sinners who have not yet found that forgiveness. Not pious, self-righteous people preaching to others so that they can become like me. We need to realize that we are saved by grace, we continue by grace, and we preach the gospel by grace. Later, I think this is a very interesting uh, passage here in Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah describes this kind of darkness that he saw. He says, uh, chapter, Isaiah chapter 8 verse 19, he says, And when they shall say to you, Speak to the mediums and the wizards who peep and mutter, Should not a people seek to their God than for the, li for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because... No light is in them, and they shall pass through it hard-pressed and hungry, and, sh and it shall be that they shall be hungry. He's talking about spiritual problems here, isn't he? Not just about physical famines. They shall rave and curse their king and their God and look upward, and they shall look to the land and behold trouble, darkness, and gloom of anguish, and they are driven away into darkness. Now, what's interesting about this passage is how it uses darkness. Did you notice that? It's a very dark picture, isn't it? Gloom, darkness. But what it, what it says here is it says, there is no light in them, and they are driven away into darkness. So when we really see the darkness is in our world, it is not only in the hearts of people, but they are also in the darkness. The darkness is in them, and they are in the darkness. There is darkness everywhere. But we can only see that and understand that when we clearly perceive the holiness of God. Number six, aspect two, passion for missions, is a disregard for personal power, position, and praise. And we see this in Isaiah's life. Isaiah was connected with the higher-ups, with, with royalty. He had probably royalty actually in his blood. A Jewish tradition holds that Isaiah's father was the brother of King Amaziah. And if that's true, then Isaiah knew all about power and authority and position. And it's possible that maybe even he had some sort of uh, a position of, of authority uh, or at least influence in the, in the government. But we don't see any of this vying for position in the life of Isaiah. In fact, we see the opposite. We know that when he preached... It would have been the opposite for him. He would have been forced out of, of power. And, and, and unfortunately, this leaks into every aspect of, of church life sometimes and, and of mission life. That Sometimes we look at missions as a way to sort of climb up the, the ladder of, of church authority or power or praise. 
In fact, with, with uh, the social media now, what we see is that oftentimes uh, short-term mission trips are maybe better called uh, self-stick mission trips. Mission trips, you know? They're, they're selfie opportunities. And, and what is that? We're, we're being motivated by the wrong thing. We're being motivated by if I get this shot or if I post this, everyone will see how kind and good and how spiritual I am and I'm helping these orphans here and this old lady there. And, and there will be dozens of comments of, wow, Caleb, great job. You're so amazing. God is using you in such amazing ways. And so we get this selfie stick missions instead of... And I think short-term missions can be used for God's glory. But we have to be careful of the motivation there, that we're not motivated by praise of others or power or authority or anything like that. And then the, the last aspect here of a passion for missions is a secondary regard for the conditions of our service. What do I mean by that? I mean, how much will I get paid? Uh, what kind of house will I live in? What kind of health insurance will I have? What kind of retirement package will I get? I'm not saying those things don't have a level of importance. They do. They do. And, and, and we should uh, just take normal means to, to provide for our family and things like that. But what we see is that we see in, in Isaiah, as he said, here I am, send me. He didn't say, uh, what's the pay going to be? And do I retire at 65 or 64? Or what's my retirement? You know, he didn't say anything like that. It didn't even enter his mind because the calling to missions is higher than those things. Those things are secondary. And, and when I see people making those secondary things primary things, it, it, it pains me. And so Isaiah doesn't have any kind of criteria for that. In fact, maybe that's even softly said. You know, you think about Paul and how he described his missionary activities. And it went something like this. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a day and a night. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety from all the churches. It's like, and, and, and to that, I have to work in these churches where they're not always very nice to me. You know, that's the conditions of service. Are you ready to go? And you look at that and think, wait a minute. If we're motivated by true zeal for God's glory because of His holiness, because of the spiritual darkness we see, then, then these things will not stop us. These things will not stop us. And I think that's what Paul so well encapsulates when he writes to the Philippians and he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press onward to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, Christ Jesus. That's the prize of missions. That is the prize of missions. So as we think about zeal or 
passion for missions and the calling of, of missions. I think it's important to just remind ourselves that it shouldn't just be a passing emotion, and it's much more than just a sympathetic tear for the needy. Biblical zeal for missions has to be cultivated daily in our own lives, and it starts with a heart of gratitude. It starts with an understanding of God's grace. And it grows as we grow in God's Word, and it is motivated further as we develop a love for God's people and as we see the spiritual darkness around us. Amen.